0: Hi, I'm Ray, a storyteller, educator, mom, and now your host of Homeroom, an international podcast bridging the education gap between the classroom and the living room. Growing up, my single immigrant mom was so busy working multiple jobs to make ends meet, she couldn't afford to give me a lot of her time. So she relied on schools to teach me everything about how to succeed in life but under-resourced and over-standardized, our one-size-fits-all education system had other priorities. In this liminal space of unmet expectations, I fell into a blind spot. Homeroom is my attempt to figure out why. In this first season, I speak with people in all walks of life from around the world about their own experiences with their education systems. I want to know what worked, what didn't, and what ideas they have on improving it for our next generation. In this episode, I speak with Antonio, a former teacher, self-directed Learning Center founder, and current dad about his experience moving through the education system as someone who's considered intelligent. We talk about the evolution behind his definition of intelligence and what his turning point was before establishing a school of his own. We share a bit about our thoughts on youth autonomy and how society might need to change to make student-centered education a reality for all. Here is our edited conversation.
1: I went to the public school uh, for my entire K-12 experience. And when I went to school, I was just kind of going through the motions because my family didn't have any strong positions on schooling. Um, no one in my family had graduated high school before, and uh, they certainly didn't have um, a good understanding of, of what it took to navigate through education, um, and I never had any expectations or pressure from my family, and so I just sort of thought of school as the place that I had to be every day, um, just wake up, go to school, because that's what you did, and what you did there didn't really matter much. Um, in elementary school, kind of everyone did okay, right? Um, I The only class I think I ever failed was penmanship in, in second grade, um, and and they still moved me on to third grade. Um, and yeah, when I went to middle school, I ended up going to a small farming town um, in our county, and I was I was definitely out of place there, uh, because of my race. Um, most of the people there were white and, and I didn't fit in cause it was a different culture in that school. And I got into a lot of fights. Uh, there were some, there was bullying. And, and so I, I just got into a bunch of fights and I got suspended, I think four times and, and I started to get really bad grades um, and my brother used to joke that I was the only person who ever had a 3d report card, a uh, three dimensional report card. Cause I had three D's in my classes, um, in middle school. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was just a weird situation. And, and I didn't, I didn't think anything of it other than I'm just not good at this long division stuff. I'm just not good at this, whatever. And then I moved back to my hometown uh, of Pottsville in seventh grade And when I moved back, I was all of a sudden a smart kid, right? The teachers identified me as a smart kid, and I started to do well. And I never tried um, other than just trying to do well in the moment. Um, But all of a sudden, uh, I started having access to classes with a little bit more freedom. I don't know if it was actually a gifted or talented program. Um, I don't think it was, but but I just had more freedom than other kids had. And it changed my perception of who I was in a schooling context. And then when I went to high school, um, I was kind of fortunate that the school wasn't too competitive because I look around at the high schools today, um, particularly in affluent areas and you just see how hyper competitive it, it, it is. And I would never have succeeded in a context like that. Um, but, my family still put absolutely no pressure on me. I was just going through the motions and and I had one or two teachers who just told me like, hey you know you can go to college and you can probably go to college for free if you go to like a service academy or something and and so I said, that sounds like a good deal and I applied to one school only <laughs> West Point I got in um, and it was. So, and They said it was free. Um, everyone in my family had served in the military. Um, my school made a huge deal of it. I would say that going to, to a service academy on my high school is a bigger deal than going to an Ivy League school or than maybe Harvard. Um, and so, uh, so once I got in, it was just like kind of a no brainer. Um, so uh, at the time, I thought that I, I was a hot shot. Like, look at me. Right. And, and with lots of experience and time, particularly since I got focused on education as an adult, I've realized that I'm, I was one of those people that the sort of education system allows to trickle through and they say, Hey, look at the system can work. The system can work if you work hard, you know, anyone can make it, anyone can get into good schools and change their life so don't look at the system as a problem like you know this we, this is this is the vehicle for social progress or social equity um and and i bought into it uh and and i became pretty arrogant along the way thinking that i was something special um but looking back i realized that there are just so many things that are completely out of our control and that um and that, yeah, I was playing in a rigged game and I thought I was winning, um, but I, I wasn't necessarily, I was just um, benefiting at the expense of other people who were trying to win the game. Um, but in, in actuality, most people end up losing.
0: You, you mentioned that you moved away from your hometown and because of your race, you were bullied, you were sort of othered, lots of things happened and your grades uh, went down and I kind of wanted to flesh that out a little bit like how did that happen? Did it just happen all at once? were there were there like incidents that escalated? Um, how were you, How were you othered?
1: Um, When I went to this small town for those two years, um, I don't mean to say that because I was one of the very few people who weren't white, that that's the reason I was bullied. Okay. Although I think it was. Um, But I was also from a different town. I was a new kid and people bully for a lot of different reasons and a lot of people are just looking for, um, you know, someone that they can go after. Right. Right. Um, uh, but I do remember that I was picked on a fair amount. Um, and that I was egged into, uh, confrontations, um, typically with bigger people. Um, and yeah. and, And otherwise I was kind of oblivious, uh, for most of my youth right? I just sort of, I didn't really know what was going on around me. I just sort of did my own thing. I was lost in my own head. Um, so I'm just, I can't, I can't state very clearly why, um, the bullying happened or why I was getting into fights or why my grades really plummeted.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that, um, it, it was more when it, a situation where it was a confluence of factors as opposed to like a causal one thing that created a bunch of, you know, created everything else. But I do, I have a firm belief that bullying is persistent and common in our society because of the way that we structure society. We have all these hierarchies Um, in schools, we, we cram a bunch of kids that are the same age, uh, together and we tell them that they have to rank and sort themselves Mm -hmm. and kids are going to follow the lead of the adults. And, and some of them are going to work their butts off, uh, trying to succeed in the hierarchy academically. Some are going to do so socially, some are going to do so athletically and, And in those situations, you have people all throughout, the people who are completely failing in the ways that they want to do well and the people who are doing extraordinarily well and people who are stuck in the middle. Um, And there's a lot of people in those systems that will resort to bullying because it's the only way that they can uh, find a sense of agency Mm -hmm. in, in some awkward way in a situation where where they seemingly have very little and so i think that bullying is a is a huge problem um... and and it's not just about this kids a bully right it's sort of like in a different context that kid very likely would not be a bully we just put them in situations you know that promote bullying i think schools uh... prisons fraternities um, Uh, The military, uh, investment banking, like there's just, there are certain environments where um, bullying is, you know, it's just, it's like a Petri dish, right? It just explodes in certain environments. Um, And I think very unfortunately, um, because most kids don't have a choice in it, uh, uh, very unfortunately, one of the biggest environments for that is schooling.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I was reading about uh, your history and you went to West Point, you went to Stanford, you went to Harvard, your classic, your classic definition of what intelligence is uh, by almost every standard that society has, has said, right. Has stated. And so I'm, I'm wondering how does someone who, has heard from society throughout his entire life that he was very intelligent, very smart, um, kind of pivot and create an entirely new system that goes against that sort of upbringing, that sort of societal message saying you need to perform and, you know, pass these tests. Uh, to be successful and then you switch around and do something completely different. So I kind of wanted to hear that pivot or, you know, what led to that pivot.
1: When I was younger, I defined smart or intelligence by how one performed in school. And I don't think I'm unique in that the people who did really well in school, I always considered to be very smart Mm-hmm. Um, and, and even though I wasn't ever at the very top of my class, I was close enough to the top and, and I did well on tests. Um, there was like a math, uh, some sort of math, uh, competition, um, that I was like the first person in my school to ever qualify for like a higher level, um, you know, I was just like, wow, I must be smart. Right. And then when I got into West Point, I'm just like, yeah, I'm smart. Right. So, um, but it it's easy for you to tell yourself that you're smart when you're winning. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to, you know, to, well, it, it, for me it was, it was easy to, um, create counter narratives as to why, when I didn't do well, that didn't mean I wasn't smart, but I acknowledge that that's not actually the case for a lot of people. A lot of people really internalize that they're not smart if they're not doing well. Um, but when did it shift from that for me is the question. And I really sadly think that it was, it probably took me until my thirties to really move away from that. Um, I remember. There was a uh, I, I had a a former partner um, who was doing a PhD and and I and I drove her up the wall because when I met her I wanted to know what her GRE scores were because <laughs> I'm like oh PhD that's a good thing but are you smart and and she was like why do you care about what my GRE scores were you dork. Um, and yeah, I, I, it really probably did take me until I was in my thirties to start questioning what, um, intelligence, um, what intelligence is. What does it mean to be smart? Um, how is that different than, than schooling? And I read, I read some, I think, um, there's a Stephen Gould book. Um, the Mismeasure of Man. Um, it, it's a re- it's it's an amazing book. It's one of the greatest books I've ever read. Um, but it it talks about um, it talks about intelligence. It talks about um, it, it's kind of it was written before Charles Murray's Bell Curve book, but it's, it's like the best takedown of Charles of, of Murray's, uh, if you don't know what book that is, that's Charles Murray's, in some circles, he's considered like this really great academic. Um, in our circles, he's considered a white supremacist <laughs> academic that um, tried to make the argument that there's certain races are more intelligent than others. Hmm. Um, Stephen Gould's book is a fabulous takedown of it. And he does, um, he explains sort of, uh, the history of eugenics and, and, um, and, and intelligence, intelligence testing, um, from a academic perspective, um, wonderful book. And I think it was when I read that book, um, coupled with, uh, my experiences, um, more in retrospect, not in the moment, but working with people who had never really done much higher education who Mm. just blew me away. Um, that, that that allowed me to sort of recognize, Oh, and I guess the third thing is, is like seeing people who did extraordinarily well, um, in school who just were completely out of it when it came to doing anything meaningful. Um, yeah. And, and so I don't know what it was, but it was sometime in my thirties where I really started struggling with, um, like, what does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to be smart? Um, and, and it, it, it probably coincided a lot with my dive into the topic of education in general. Um, uh, that allowed me to recognize that, you know, there is no, I don't believe at least, uh, I think a lot of people agree with me. I know. uh, um, (laughs) At least writers do um, that, um, that general intelligence is, is a really tricky thing to claim. Um, uh, That, um, that IQ in particular is a really poor, um, Measure for what intelligence is, um, and and even if you believe that IQ was a good measure for intelligence, um, I mean a lot of people do, um, particularly race realists. But um, but yeah, if we just change what we decided we were going to measure, you know, all those bell curves would be completely scattered. Right. And so there definitely is uh, some notions of general intelligence that, that may seem sticky Um, there, but, but I just think that the notion of intelligence is, uh, um, is just really problematic. Right. It's just like, you know, you, you look at countries like Singapore, you know, and, you know, how they shot up, you know, their IQ, like jumped like 30 or 40 points over the period of a couple of, of generations. And you're just like, okay, well, that's certainly not an inherent or inborn, right? Like, that's definitely um, context dependent. And, and, and what we consider intelligent, intelligence uh, today, um, completely disregards um, many things that were pretty vital in the past. So it's just a really complicated topic. Um, But um, when I applied to West Point, it was the only school I applied to, partly because I just had no clue what I was doing. And I didn't even realize that college admissions was a competitive thing. Um, I thought that you just applied and based on that they had some way of measuring your worth as a human being, (laughs) right? And then they either accepted you or rejected you based on that. Um, I didn't even know that there were, there were things such as college admissions consultants and whatnot. I didn't know that there were, you know, parents who were molding their kids since they were in preschool to get into certain schools. Um, but I went to West Point. I did that. Uh, went into the military. I went to ranger school in the military kind of on a whim. I had a classmate from, West Point, who I played football with. And in our officer basic course, he said he wanted to go to ranger school, but he didn't know if he could get through the physical train up for it. And there was this ranger school prep thing in our uh, officer basic course. And he asked if I'd be willing to do it. Um, Ranger school is, it's not the hardest thing you could possibly do in the military, but it's definitely one of the hardest thing for like a regular military person to do. Mm-hmm. Um And, uh, and, it, and I had no, no desire to do it. I'm just like, Hey, I'm just here biding my time until I figure out what I'm going to do after the military. And he convinced me to just help him out. He's like, you, you don't have to go to ranger school. Just, just do the training with me. And so I did training with him and then they gave me a slot and and that wasn't very common, but for some reason, um, a bunch of people in my, in my sort of course got the slot. And so I was just like, I guess I'm going to go. And I didn't want to go. And I hated the experience. It lasted, uh, five months for me. Um, and I got out and I wasn't like, I got recycled twice and it's not uncommon to get recycled in ranger school, but that's basically you go through one of the three portions of the program and they're like, you didn't do very well. You got to do this again. And it's just a big suck. It's just a terrible, like just, uh, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, lots of stress, lots of misery. Um, and so I got recycled twice, but I eventually graduated. And, and when I graduated in the military, you get this tab that you wear on your shoulder that says Ranger. Um, and nobody knew that I got recycled twice. You right. Um, people who've gone through the course don't care because they're just like, Hey, you know, something like half the people get recycled. Uh, but everyone who didn't go through the course was just like, wow, you're a ranger. Right. They're just like, Whoa, like that is so impressive. And, and this five month program that I didn't want to do. And then when I did do it, I just suffered through just a miserable experience. There were moments where I was actually hoping that I got injured so I could have a way to leave without quitting. Right. You're just like, oh, I just hope I break my leg. Right. Um, like I didn't want to be there. Um, but then I graduate. And then for the, for my five year or, or I guess, you know, three and a half years after that in the military, um, I just got all this instant credibility from everyone. Just, Oh, you're a ranger. Like you're squared away. You're smart. You're tough. Right. And And I think that that really was kind of a defining moment for me in understanding that you don't have to be hardworking. You don't have to be smart. Um, If you have the right credential of some sort, it will get you a lot. It'll open doors for you. It will get you, you know, people will... You know, be more patient with you, etc. And so, when I decided I was going to leave the military and go to business school, I think part of me was just like, "There's only two two schools that that I can go to: Stanford or Harvard." Um, which, which is absurd, right? <laughs> that's just that's ridiculous, right? Like you can, you can, yeah. There no, there's lots of great business schools. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but that was my mindset when I was applying and I just looked at the U S news rankings and which were the top two and how much did their graduates make upon graduation. And so I'm like, those are two schools. If I don't go to one of those two schools, I'm not going to go to business school. Didn't help that I had a really low GPA in college. Um, and so, so I spent a ridiculous amount of time, um, Reading everything I could about business school admissions. Um, I was on forums, I was talking to people who uh previously went um to business school from the military. I was I sought out people who kind of got in with red flags. Um, that somehow they got into these schools despite low GPAs. And I was just like, wow, like you can actually get into some of these top programs even if you were a bad student, right? Or even if you have bad GMAT scores, right? And there's this holistic application process, which if you can present yourself in the right way, they'll accept you. Chances are they will not accept you if you have like certain GPA or GMAT score, but they might.
0: Yeah, and I think that, you know, is in alignment with how a lot of people in our society's view what intelligence is and isn't. And I think, you know, I am sort of like on the opposite spectrum or on the opposite side of intelligence because, you know, here you are, you know, you were someone who was told who was smart in compuls- during compulsory education. And um, I'm sort of like, not that. Right. So I was told from a very young age that I was not intelligent, that, you know, I was underperforming against all of my peers. Um, I, you know, was an art major. I went to grad school for filmmaking. Like none of the things that if you look at my resume, you would be like, oh, this is a person who is intelligent. This is a person who is smart. Um, You know, our society would never say that of that of me. Um, and, you know, as I track like my history and and part of my podcast is sort of like documenting this journey of why was I not considered smart? You know, why was I not considered intelligent? Um, because by every now, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of, you know, people sort of deal with this inferiority complex. And, uh, you know, it does decrease like self-confidence and all of those things. Um, and so I went through that period and I'm still kind of in the tailwind of that, but I'm realizing that, you know, I have a very successful marriage. I have a child whom I really love. I'm pretty good with my family members. I'm pretty happy with like the direction I've gone. Like. Why are, why have, why have I been like shrouded under, or like, why have I been like buried under these like layers of society telling me that I'm not intelligent and not and therefore not successful when, if I actually look at my life, I'm very happy with it, you know? And, um. So I kind of wanted to hear from you, like, you know, you, I think it was seven years or six years, you had your self-directed learning center and, um, you know, you're somebody who is a very big advocate and champion for self-directed learning. Have you heard of the concept of companion planting? No. So in gardening, I'm not really a gardener, um, but- So there's a book, um, Braiding Sweetgrass. Oh,
1: yeah, I know. I've read it multiple times. It's great. Yeah, you're talking about like the three sisters?
0: The three sisters, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The the corn, right? Mm -hmm. And um, the beans and Mm. the grains. Wait, the corn. The beans and the squash. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the way that you plant them, um, Mm. they all sort of benefit each other. Um, And as opposed to like you know, raising plants that compete for the same resources, right? Mm. And so sort of like what I'm thinking about is um, the community, the society that I would like my daughter to grow up in is not so much this sort of hierarchical, there's only one or two people at the top kind of model, but sort of you know, we're all different people. We're all, and I kind of believe in spirituality and that we all have some sort of, you know, um, purpose here. And I just think, you know, not everybody wants to be a lawyer. Not everybody wants to be a doctor. And, you know, in the society that we're headed in, we're going to need lots of different jobs. We're going to, um, and so I'm just thinking, like, how do we create a schooling system or, an educational ecosystem where we can kind of harness the gifts of everybody's talents and group them in a way where they can all help each other rather than, you know, take, take each other down as we try and rise to the top. And so, because I know you're a father, and so I'm wondering, like, what is your plan for schooling your child and mm-hmm. what is the future that you would like your child to be in? And how do we get closer to making that a reality?
1: And I agree with you that our society would be much better off and individuals within the society would be much better off if they had the opportunity to follow their interests and passions uh, and to develop their skills and competencies um, in the things that they're really interested in in deep and meaningful ways. um, And that it would create, that alone would create a better society, right? Um, You you mentioned lawyers, like there's too many lawyers in this world, right? It's just, it's it's something that we as a society don't really need much. I mean, you definitely need a legal system, I guess, if you're, you know, dealing with complex systems, but we don't need as many lawyers as we have. Right. But what is law school? Law school is a, is kind of a place that kids who do good at school that don't know what they want to do with their lives just fall into because that's what that's, everyone says this is a good option for them. Right. Um, and, and so the schooling system, if you do believe in a sense of like, there are just some kid, some people who are just smarter than others. Right. Um, and that aligns with doing well in school. What schools do is they suck out of society. All these people who do well in school and into, into a very small world clustered in, in certain parts of, in the United States. For example, you got Seattle, San Francisco, LA, Chicago, Austin, New York, Boston, right? Like just, these small clusters where all these people congregate to in a very select number of fields, um, you know, academia, I guess academia is the exception because they get stuck everywhere. Um, but, but academia, finance, uh, consulting, law, medicine, right? So, so we're suck, we're taking the so-called smart people and we're sucking them into these very tiny pockets. And then the rest of society is just sort of like, Oh, we didn't make it. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna slog along, um, do our forty hour work week and hopefully, you know have access to Social security at the end of the day. Um, and it's sad for everyone. It's sad for the people who do well in the system because they end up often again, their souls are just completely depleted. They either slave away, making a ton of money doing stuff that they don't care about. And then at the end of the day, they're like, what did I do with my life? I did nothing meaningful or worse. They do real harm for, um, for personal benefit. And that can't be good for the soul. Right. And they left everyone behind. I left my hometown. Right. Um, like there's just a huge so-called brain drain from all these towns. Right. Cause everyone who can leaves. Um, and then, And then everyone who's left, right? It's just sort of like, you you just take what you can get. Um, Yeah. And I think that this is, school is not the only problem, right? Like it's a societal problem, but school is definitely something that, what I like to say is schooling amplifies and perpetuates uh, social inequities, right? Everyone thinks that schooling is a great equalizer, biggest crock of, you know, what ever, like schooling is not the great equalizer schooling consistently amplifies um disparities and then every once in a while you have someone like me and they're just like see see the system works right and it's just like no i'm just a chump that like uh that allowed you to have that talking point um yeah so so i do think that if we could cultivate Um, communities where everyone was valued um, at the beginning, not based on what they did, not based on what they, you know, what they're going to do, but just everyone is valued from the beginning and accepted. Um, That's a great start. Um, And where they're not put in competition with one another is necessary. I think that, Self-directed education is unique in that it really allows for every single person to be doing their own thing. They don't have to be in competition with anyone because they're doing something that's unique to themselves and everyone else in that community, if it's a healthy community, is cheering them on. Um, That's what I plan on doing with my child. Uh, my child is not going to be put into any kind of school, not even the most progressive marketed school that exists, unless they choose that they want to go to school. If they say, I would like to go to school, we're going to allow that. We're not going to deny the person. You can't talk about youth autonomy and then say, except for that, you can't do that. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, but yeah, the, you know, I'm actually planning on being a stay at home dad and I plan on trying to do some stuff on the side to make money, um, but my but I'm going to be at home so that they can um, never have to go to preschool or or to school. And I realize that I'm very privileged to be able to do that. A lot of people simply don't have that choice. Um, but but I think that um, if if people came together in communities where that was the norm, where at least for the kids, even if we as adults can't pull that away from, from our sense of value, uh, personal like worth, at least we're going to give that to our kids. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a great starting point. Um, it can be unschooled. It can be self-directed education communities. Um, I'm a big fan of libraries. Libraries are great because, um, it's, it's a place where, you get to come as you are. No one really cares what you wanna learn about. Um, the librarians are just there to help you, help support you in that. And I think that is, if, if we're gonna talk about public education, I think that's the type of public education we should be talking about. How do we provide people with the resources to really go down what they wanna do instead of constantly trying to push them into very narrow silos, which are often contributing to, you know many of our societal problems. Um, but schooling is insufficient to do this change. Like society has to be restructured in order to really get to a place where we have a healthy society, where we don't have throwaway, throwaway people. Right. Hmm. And I'm not, I'm not making policy suggestions, but I do think a society where nobody is houseless, right. Hmm. Where nobody is living in poverty, um, where every like there's this conservative talking point that if you give people money they're just going to sit on their butts and do nothing with it right one is no they're not right like everyone wants to do something meaningful with their life right, right? and to the extent that they do sit on their butts like there's there's stuff like that's an opportunity to help them you know because something's obviously blocking their ability to, to do something. Um, but two is who cares <laughs> like, as a society, we should, we should want people to be able to survive even if they aren't producing economic value for someone else. Right. Um, and, and I think that, that that is something that like we as a society would have to move toward, you know, we'd have a lot of things that we'd have to, uh, really flesh out that our society is unwilling to flesh out, um, to, to get there. I think that schooling could help if you create these communities where we don't force the kids to compete against each other um, and where they can actually focus on on things that they're interested in and on caring for other people, that that could help um, seed uh, more potential for society to shift. But I also think that at the end of the day, there has to be like a really intense focus on People who are trying to shift culture, even outside of schooling, um, to get us to the point where every human being is valued and welcome and accepted. Um, so that, that's, that's what I'd like to see, um, you know, for our society. And, and that's just one of the reasons why I'm going to make sure that my child, um, has the, has the option of not going to school, um, so that they can, uh, so that they can create, create community, um, around things that are relevant to them. Uh, we could talk about white supremacy. We could talk about, um, you know, colonialism. We could talk about, um, like, you know, capitalism. We could talk about like so many sort of oppressive, uh, social and economic systems that do great harm. Um, but, I think that when you have a schooling system that basically 99% of kids go through, if you're including the homeschool kids who are schooling at home, um, that 99 plus percent of kids go through that really drives home, insists upon the notion that your self-worth is tied up in how you compare with other people um, and how you rank, um, that it's really hard to have a moral culture um, mm. when we do that to kids. So that's one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of self-directed education. Um, self-directed education is not sufficient on its own to do that, but it's it it can be a very powerful tool. And unlike a lot of people who really care about education, um, I, I just I do not believe that, Um, The conventional education system, compulsory education, um, does more good than harm. I think it does more harm than good. And I also don't believe that it can be reformed. I think that you have to let it go and rethink of it in terms of a museum library model that doesn't um, age segregate and divvy up resources so that everything goes to the people with the most.
0: Thank you for tuning into our conversation. Speaking with Antonio about intelligence helped connect something for me. In my experience, a sign of intelligence is our capacity to disagree. For example, critical thinking is often a skill correlated with intelligence, but it can only happen if you can doubt, question, and consider other perspectives. Another example is problem solving. You can't fix a problem without communicating and debating with people, or yourself, to come up with an alternative. And yet, when I was younger, I received the message from just about every adult and peer that disagreement was unsafe. If I dared to share with my friends that I didn't like a particular musician or group they liked, I'd be seen as uncool or unworthy of their friendship. If I told my mother I didn't want to call her husband, dad, she would use emotional warfare like guilt or withdrawing her affection until I agreed. Schools capitalize on this fear-based system to condition our students to perform in the ways we expect them to and withdraw connection anytime they do not. And for people like me, who are especially sensitive to social disconnection. We would prefer to be safe than intelligent. To give all of our students equal opportunities to demonstrate their strengths and abilities, we must first provide them the safety to disagree. Thank you so much for listening. If any part of this episode resonated with you, please connect with us on social media at the links in the show notes. And if you'd like to share your own education journey with us on this podcast, please send me a DM on Instagram or reach out via our website at homeroomed.com to recommend either yourself or another person you'd like to see on the show. Thanks.